So when I was growing up, I had two different, very, uh, two very different tastes of music on either side with my parents. My dad influenced a lot of the heavier side. I listened to a lot of Tool growing up, which is I still love. A lot of Midnight Oil. We all went as a family to see Metallica when I was like 12 or 13, which was so much fun. We went down and Dad's one of Dad's best mates came too. We all piled into the car and one of Dad's students gave him like a gold or silver ticket. So we got to go right up the front and ditched us. And my mum, sister and I were all sitting up the back of the stadium where you could still feel the heat of the flames coming off it. And it was, it was amazing. We had no earplugs whatsoever. We were just like, this is fantastic. I think um, Lamb of God supported oh. as well. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. I think I still have a Metallica shirt somewhere. G'day, I'm Holly Dowse Robinson, and this is Notes From Home, where we have a cup up with your favourite musos and the people that raise them. In today's episode, we speak to Lindsay O'Connell, the self-taught bass player and vocalist for Newcastle's dance rock outfit, Rave Tapes. We drove out to Cranky Corner Mountain to catch up with her and her lovely parents, Esther and Scott. We talked Kate Bush, her parents' musical pursuits, and making music her own career. These are her notes from home. My name is Lindsay O'Connell um, and I play in Rave Tapes. And I grew up in a little tiny town called Brankston, which is probably, I think, 40 minutes away from Newcastle. My parents bought a property on Cranky Corner Mountain. They built a shed over a period of two years. In that two years, really, my sister and I's formative years, we spent running around this property catching horses and riding them bareback and occupying our time because we had no electricity, no anything for a very long time. We had to entertain ourselves. And we lived up here in a tiny little shed with my family. We lived away from town, so we couldn't exactly go in for sleepovers or have our best friends living next door. So it was just us on a mountain. My all-time favourite album in the whole entire world is Kate Bush's The Kick Inside, and that was my mum's first record. And my first CD, and I love that album so much, and that's all mum. We grew up with Dad doing gigs with his mates at the pub and jamming and music being all around the house and having fantastic instruments around. My dad bought for me a little tiny acoustic guitar. It's teeny tiny, I still have it. And was like, I'm gonna teach you how to play. And I think we did about three lessons before he said, nope, no way, I'm never teaching you. This is horrible. You don't pay attention. And I was like, oh, okay, fine then, whatever. I did other things. And then I think a couple of years later, I picked it up and I was like, you know what? Shove him. I'm going to learn how to play guitar. I'm going to teach myself. It was my 16th birthday and we went to Muso's Corner, which is the Newcastle music shop, Staple Point, and we bought a beautiful ovation guitar, one of the resin back guitars. And Dad has one as well and it just went from there and then got involved in music class. We had a, a fantastic Kappa department at my high school in Singleton. And, um, yeah, I really, like, bounced off other people and just played. First performance I ever did I think on stage was singing 
in the flesh by Pink Floyd on top of a piano in one of the musicals in the intro in fishnet stockings and a female presidential suit. (laughs) (laughs) So you thought you might like to go to the show. Um, My first band was called The Dershwins. My ex-boyfriend, my old out of high school boyfriend, Lockie, is a phenomenal drummer. And he and I had been talking about it for a while. His best friend's girlfriend, Paige, who I am now best friends with, plays fantastic guitar and piano. And she and I sat down and started jamming. She had her 21st birthday party and Lockie's band played and all the gear was left set up. We had a couple of drinks. Paige and I jumped on the guitars and Lockie got on the drums and then our friend James Hodgett, who is one of the most phenomenal musicians I've ever met in my entire life, just got on bass and started playing and we had a jam. Had a joke, we called it the Dershwins that night and decided to actually get together and jam and write some songs and it was so nice I think we ran for about maybe for about two years we recorded one song then of course my boyfriend and I broke up and then we spent like two or three months trying to go oh maybe we can keep the band going and then it did and then our two months later I ended up in rave tapes I went to an art, opening an art show at Softies one night and I had a couple of glasses of wine and I remember talking to Joven around, that was around the time that they'd been looking for a bass player and it'd been about two, three months and Joel was going to leave pretty soon and talking to Joven, we were both pretty drunk and said, oh, you know, you're still looking for a bass player, you know, you how's it going? And Job's like, oh, I haven't found anyone yet, you know. We've had a couple of people audition, but we're not too sure yet. We're not sure we found the right fit. And I was like, well, I'll do it. (laughs) I'll audition. And he was like, yeah, okay. He's like, we haven't had any girls audition. Please, please. And I remember getting home at about 2 o'clock in the morning and at about 3 o'clock in the morning I got a message from Job and I had all of the tabs, all of the music sent through and he said, can we organise a time next week ASAP? I've never freaking played bass in my life. (laughs) I I play guitar, I sing first and then I play guitar and I ended up borrowing a humongous bass from a friend and plugging it into my guitar amp and just practising for hours. Never played before, my fingers weren't equipped for it. Um, and that week I went out to Job's parents' property and I auditioned and just tried my hardest and they were like, that was perfect. They basically said there and then, do you want to be a part of this band? She sat down and he just gathered round. I said, like, yeah, well, I'm not doing anything else. I kind of hate uni at the moment, so why not? Being the only female in a band I think would be very different if I wasn't in a band with Job and Lou. Like I said, I've already, I knew Lou from uni. I met him four years ago and we were instant friends. Um, And I've known Job for so long. I had a really interesting experience. We played a gig, a support gig, 
And I learnt afterwards from one of the girls that was booking for the venue, she said to me, yeah, I really had to fight to get you guys onto the lineup. I said, like, why? Because, you know, we were a perfect fit for it. And she said, well, the guys who were booking the show wanted to put a different band on because they had a female lead singer. And the, the girl I was talking to, um, she was like, she argued with them. She said, no, they, the, the, the band doesn't fit. They don't fit anywhere. Rave tapes are perfect for this lineup. Like, what's, what's the difference between Lindsay playing bass and then having a female lead just because she sings. I don't think these guys knew that I even sang. They just thought she, she's just a bass player. She's not lead, it doesn't look good. We need to meet the quota and have our main support be a female fronted band. It's that kind of meeting the quota that is really, really bizarre um, to me. And, and it kind of, it really hurt. Like hearing that I was like, oh great. So like my, my value as a musician is determined based on whether or not I am in the lead or whether I play bass. Hell, like, does this mean we're not gonna get gigs or does this mean we are gonna get gigs? Because, you know, she's a girl. We want that band with a girl in it. Not, actually, they're a really good band and the music is good. And they've got a girl in the band and she's great. Right, I'm Esther, and I'm Lindsay's mum. <laughs> and I'm Lindsay's dad. My name's Scott. From where Lindsay first grew up in Brankston, to get into the music scene, you'd have to go somewhere else, really. It's not. It's only a little rural town, basically. I think it was more a family thing that was happening, family and friends mm. who enjoyed playing together, and that's, that's basically how, how it was. Mm -hmm. With Scott's band playing and in a pub or at the bowling club or at, at birthday party. parties, in particular birthday parties. Lindsay even performed at, at a 40th birthday party out in the bush mm -hmm. and it made everybody cry because mm -hmm. here was the 13-year-old standing up with a guitar and playing um, the age of 17 from Steve Nicks and, mm -hmm. yes, uh, things like that, yes. But no, it was not, not a very big music scene. It, it, it all comes from home. She was always born to be an entertainer. Flat out. Flat out. Very busy. Yes. Run. No, don't walk. Run. Lindsay didn't want lessons. I offered it to her. You want to have guitar lessons? No, she said, I'm fine with this. I'll, I'll learn from YouTube and, and you know, playing with dad. And she asked her father to, to teach her the three main chords and she went from there. Mm. I think that it stays, it, it remains fun if you do it yourself. Well, my musical st career started when my mother forced me into piano lessons, which I hated because I really wanted to play the drums, but mum didn't think that was very appropriate. Um, my parents being very classical music lovers, so that was very present in, in, in our household back in the Netherlands. Um, a few years after I finished high school, I was also asked to come and sing in a band and that band was also connected um, to the high school. There were two teachers, um, there was a maintenance man and um, another ex-student on, on, on the drums and uh, my best friend and I, we were 
doing the backup thing, which eventually led to that we, we did our own stuff eventually too. We wrote a few songs and, and sang and was an awful lot of fun. We did very big gigs for the high school. It was a very large high school, so we would have seven, eight hundred people in the, in the hall and <laughs> very daunting, but uh, yeah, great times. After leaving high school, around about the age of 17, 18, um, I started to get into the punk side of things. So that band was also with a group of friends um, and we aptly named ourselves um, Smith and the Death Brothers. Um, we didn't really travel anywhere or, or do anything because we were too busy, you know, having a good time and, and drink a booze and, and all the rest of the stuff that goes along with it that you can't mention on the radio. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm now slowly starting to recognise that this is this has encompassed my life now. This is my life that, you know, work comes second, uni can go on the back burner because I can do that whenever but you can only be in a band once so now it's really become the focus of my career or my my life i remember how you came to the decision how you phoned me up and asked me oh yeah i did no i called dad i did you called me and asked me what what should i do, do yeah because i knew it would be it would be a big you know it's a financial and complete lifestyle change i called you Lindsay needed that vote of confidence. It wasn't the fact that she didn't want to do it. She really, really wanted to do it. And she just wanted my opinion on, look, Dad, is it a, should I just keep battling on with uni and then become an English history teacher at high school and then end up thinking, was this the right decision with my life when I haven't had a taste of life to begin with? And that's when I just said, look, I think it's a good idea if you do take the take the bass guitar position with Rave Tapes. And that way, if it, if it doesn't work out for you, then you haven't lost anything with your uni. You just go straight back to uni again and continue with that. And, and there's, no, there's no heartache about it. But um, uh, if she didn't make that decision and, and have my support, then um, probably one day she could have been heavily disappointed. What's it like watching her in rave tapes? Like, do you... I bloody love it, mate. The be safe in the harbor. But honey, it's not what we build ships for. She's a wonderful, wonderful musician, but the, the best thing is that she's a really nice, really fun human being to be around. She's just a very lovely young woman. They're, they're very proud that she's become who she is. When I step my way through the corridor, not gonna see your face no more. Notes from Home is produced for FBI Radio. If you like what you heard today, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'm Holly Douse Robinson, and Jonathan Took is our executive producer and sound engineering wizard. Shout out to our associate producer, Grace Stranger, and co-creator, Nina Oyama. 
Cheers to Music Farmers Wollongong and FBI Radio Sydney and hugs and thanks to Lindsay, Esther and Scott O'Connell for jumping on board. Just immediately You could never